0: Good morning everyone, this is Kathy Mason from Masonworks Marketing here on this wonderful platform for co-creators convergence the gifts of the magi for world unity week and today we're talking about spirituality and oneness and I am so excited to have these luminaries here that will enlighten you about how they connect spirituality with oneness, and how you can too. So, and and we have just incredible talent on this panel. I feel so so honored to be here with everyone today. Um, what I'd like to start with is some some explanation of spirituality to start with, and then we're going to start with a question. But I also want everyone to. Um, Be able to learn and know, recognize these beautiful uh, participants on the panel. So when I do um, explain, do a little bio for you, if you would please wave your hand when I do that so people can recognize you, that would be great. So today's topic again is spirituality and oneness. And spirituality is not the renunciation of life, it is the art of living fully. Spirituality is the path which connects you to yourself and to God or Source in the purest form. Spirituality is simply the search for truth. It offers an alignment of our mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual parts coming together in harmony. Spirituality looks at the world, then looks at itself, then sees the direct relation between the world and the self, and therefore sees the two as one. Spirituality often involves looking beyond the surface of things and trusting the process of how our lives unfold. This can be particularly useful when our lives become challenged and stressed. And that's why I thought this would be a perfect panel. After the year that we've we've gone through Oftentimes, we are comforted in having a spiritual connection during these strange times. Our lives become more meaningful, and we feel more peace when we know that we are supported and held in times of difficulty and ease. So today, I'm honored to have these spiritual experts here to discuss their experience with spirituality and oneness in the hopes that you will get wonderful inspiration and nuggets that'll help you live a more powerful life. The first person is Dr. Pamela Durali. Do you want to wave your hand? There you go. She's a visionary and pioneer in spiritual growth and transformation. And she shares life changing experiences and insights with clarity and humor. She captivates readers and audiences with wisdom and practical guidance from the blueprint of the human spirit, which you'll hear more about today. Her holistic model for conscious, compassionate living. She is an architect for the human spirit. Victoria Reynolds. Thank you. Victoria is, has been inspiring audiences around the world since 2009. She is a spiritual luminary, oracle of freedom, a broadcaster, and an author. The primary focus of her presentations is moving from fear to freedom. And her story is remarkable, and the power of self-trust. A few of her satisfied clients include e-women. Women's International Networking Empowered Women, Agape Spiritual Center with Michael Beckwith, Interfaith Spiritual Center and the Center for Spiritual Living in multiple locations. Neil Gower, I'm so glad.
1: Hey everyone, hey Kathy. Thank you,
0: Neil, for coming. Neil Gower was born in the uh, the UK and then he moved to the US at the age of 12. In 2001, His second year of college, he discovered some videos from Nassim Harriman, awesome, Mm -hmm. himself, awesome, and Jordan Maxwell, awesome. He began absorbing information at a rapid rate rate going deep down the rabbit hole. He learned about the Sumerian civilization and the ET race known as the Anunnaki, as well as tracking the bloodlines of the elite through our ancient history and exploring the nature of sound and vibration. From this fascination and 16 years of study, Neil started the successful site, Portal to Ascension, featuring speakers from all around the world. He's he's got an amazing perspective from uh, the site that he has, which is just as good as Gaia TV ever was. So Neil, thank you for being with us. So what I'd like to start right now is I'd like to um, start with a question and then we'll have Pamela um, talk about it, then Neil talk about it, and then Victoria talk about it. So the question that I'd like to start everyone with is, what was your journey to connect to your spirituality and how did you develop trust in your
2: connection.
0: So with that, Pamela, would you
2: start, please? Absolutely. I am so excited to be here, Kathy, and uh, to be with Victoria and Neil. It's delightful. I look forward to meeting you at some point. And I am really excited to share my story because I think we all perhaps share a similar path. We, we come into this world having forgotten everything that we know and then, and also without uh, a manual <laughs> and um, have to find our way. And we end up in a family, which I think is by divine intervention so that we can learn something very specific. Well, I landed in a um, very fundamental ultra conservative christian church and home and i grew up in an environment where there were so many thou shalt nots that um we used to joke around and say well it'd be easier to tell you what we can do than what we can't you know and we couldn't cut our hair wear makeup or jewelry we had to wear long dresses and long sleeves and long white stockings and full shoes And to this day, I can't figure out what the problem is with toe cleavage, but must have been something because (laughs) there it really was um, uh, a lot of thou shalt nots. I grew up with what I call the unholy trinity of guilt, shame, and fear. And every time I went to church, I was beat up and told how... uh, unworthy I was and that I was going straight to hell in a handbasket, so to speak, and so it was very, very fearful for me. I really didn't agree with this. It didn't fit right. It didn't feel right, but I didn't know anything else, and so I tried to be Little Miss Goody Two Shoes, and uh, of course I snuck around and did things I wasn't supposed to do, like dancing. (laughs) And um, but eventually I went to college, left that all behind, pursued a career in nursing and public health and had a wonderful time helping others and became a perfectionistic workaholic. Perhaps I was trying to prove to someone that I was good enough. to get inside the pearly gates perhaps, but I worked and had a wonderful time, had many opportunities in leadership with the American Cancer Society, was a national consultant for them. I was the program director for Prevent Blindness America and all of those opportunities taught me so many things, but I was all in my left brain. I was all very rational, logical, Uh, everything was so controlled and I just had to have everything. Uh, I had to understand everything. Well, I had the opportunity to go to a creative leadership workshop at the Center for Creative Leadership in Greensboro, North Carolina. It was wonderful. And that was a pivotal moment for me because for the first time, I did uh, visioning and journaling and we worked with change partners and we had opportunities to spend time in nature and discover what our inner commandments were. We worked with an artist and I mean it was just amazing and from that my life changed. I realized shortly after returning to work that my position and what I was doing no longer was compatible with my new vision, so I just quit my job. I had recently married, and so I didn't have to worry about paying the bills, but I quit my job, and I just became a spiritual seeker, and I didn't know what to read first, or what to read second, or where to go, but my older sister had been a student of spirituality, and she never, ever talked with me about it, which is interesting because she knew I wasn't ready to hear it. And she was into some healing modes. So I asked her what to read. She told me the first book I read was the Peaceful Warrior book. (laughs) So this is going way back, um, back into the early 90s. And so I became a spiritual junkie And I read everything I could get my hands on, studied every teacher. I went to every holistic workshop in a hundred miles. You know, I just did everything possible to find something, to learn, to, to find the truth. And because of my upbringing, which I was told everything that wasn't literal biblical was bad and anything that was uh, you know a little out there was occult and that was demonic. I mean I was afraid of what I was discovering fearing that it just someone's going to lead me down a path where I would never find my way and a couple after studying for a couple of years I was lying in bed in the middle, like about 3.30 in the morning, I was awakened and information started flowing in. And I laid there and after about an hour and a half, I couldn't, I knew I couldn't remember anymore. So I got up and went to my computer and I typed it up. And every day, well, about three to four days a week for six months, I received divine downloads. And it started with a simple mind-body-spirit triangle and evolved into a a bigger, um, like a beautiful matrix because there was the concepts that came with the sacred geometry. And I didn't even know what sacred geometry was. I mean, at that time, I didn't know the difference between religion and spirituality. So I had a long way to go, but I, I discovered a lot more and it seemed that this blueprint, I call it the blueprint for the human spirit, and it emerged and evolved in harmony with my spiritual growth. And every time I got a message, I would have opportunities to apply that in my life. I would learn, I would integrate it, and then more information would come through and greater, deeper lessons came to me. And my husband and I used to walk every morning for about an hour. And so I would tell him the latest download, you know, and he'd, say, he'd just shake his head, oh, sure, nice. You know, <laughs> had no idea. Years later, I did a workshop and I kind of built the blueprint in front of him. And he says, oh my gosh, I get it, I get it. You know, he could see it uh, firsthand. But um, the blueprint became my inner teacher. It guided me, but still I didn't trust myself. And I had become very adept at manifesting and all that. And so I thought, you know, if I could just have someone like Wayne Dyer or Deepak Chopra as my teacher, they could tell me if this was right or not. I needed confirmation because I didn't um, have it. You know, it's like, I couldn't, you can't prove anything in this domain so I wrote an affirmation in my journal you know a guru is coming into my life now and then this voice said well what am I chopped liver (laughs) and so I decided I didn't need a guru and I learned to trust but I trusted because it felt right. It just felt so right for me. And that every time I received information, I'd get goosebumps. And I'd like, you know, my body said, Yes, you know, this is right. Well, the blueprint, as it evolved was a very interesting intellectual exercise. And being a very a brainiac, like I was, and being more, you know, science and logic oriented, um, I guess the universe decided I needed to make a shift. So one morning in meditation, in an hour and a half, I experienced 15 past life archetypes. And I didn't know how many there were, but I was sitting on my lanai and it was raining that morning, very early in the morning on a Sunday morning. And and they were just hitting me. And I, I experienced it. It was like, I was this woman from Appalachia who lost all her children and and the winter was coming and they were going to die and, you know, it's like grieving and and I was elated as a ice skater and showing people how, you know, this is a Russian woman, you know, and then there was the, uh, like a shaman who took me on a journey and, you know, gave me his medicine bag and a girl who was catatonic and totally separate from herself. And I mean, I I was grieving and dying. And I mean, just over and again, I was so out of it. I woke up from this experience, ran into my office, wrote in my journal um, a couple lines about each one as I remember them. And I counted them, there were 15. And then I looked at the list and they were written down in order of the blueprint matrix, there was one person for each of the major 15 boxes were the major boxes in my blueprint at that time. And I went to church and my friend said, oh my God, what happened to you? She says, go home and write about it because you do not want to forget this. So I did. And then a few days later I went and had lunch with a friend who was a therapist and shared her with her what happened to me. And she said, "Would you like to do a regression?" And I'm like, are you kidding? You know I, how am I gonna you know what, oh, why not? What's one more, right? <laughs> so she guided me back in time. And I was a child at the feet of Jesus when he said, let the children come to me. And in that moment, I knew exactly what that meant. You know, when we are children, we are innocent, and we are open and loving and playful and curious and joyful. And life takes us away from that. We lose that. We lose our connection. We lose our sense of oneness. And in that moment, I also knew that, that particular box of the matrix, or that particular archetype became the representation of the eternal realm of the blueprint. The blueprint has five dimensions, physical, mental, emotional, intuitive, and spiritual, and it has five fields of existence, the quantum, personal, social, global, and eternal. And that beloved child of God, you know, completed the blueprint. And from that moment on, I had experienced the blueprint. It was a part of me. It went from my head to my heart, and it just became something that I can share in so many ways. Well, as the blueprint was evolving, I discovered I was also intuitive. And of course, that was way off because being a left brain science oriented medical person, it just didn't quite fit. But I would lie in bed and I think of a friend or a family member and they would um, be uh, have an issue would come up and I would see imagery and I would move energy around, you know, and I could affirm their highest good. But um, then I learned that I could talk instead of just lying there and praying. And one time I wanted to figure out if I could, you know, what would happen because I just kind of lay there aware. So I said to my older sister, I said, um, you know, I'd like to see if I could talk while I do these sessions so that I could remember. And she said, do me. (laughs) And she was in Pennsylvania, I was in Chicago. So I got a little recorder, I laid it on my, my chest because I was still doing this in bed, praying, you know, and I started you know, with the prayer, affirmation, open, receptive, willing. And I talked in first person. And I reflected, I became like a mirror and reflected exactly the issues that came up. And there was always a shift in awareness, a shift in perception that brought healing to whatever issue came up. And what I also discovered was that all of the issues went back to the core perception of duality. Fears that were reflected because of that. And I know that a picture is worth a thousand words, so I'm going to have Kathy show a picture uh, like a diagram of how uh, duality reflects as fears in the five dimensions of the blueprint. So you can see that um, in the physical realm, the fear we fear death and pain and lack, in the mental betrayal, uh, rejection, in the emotional doubt and despair and unworthiness, and the blueprint also revealed to me uh, how we deal with this. So when we face a fear like death, we respond with or uh, lack or whatever, we respond with greed and and jealousy. We try to hoard, you know, so that we have enough and we become attached to money, material things, positions, power, whatever. And ultimately a lesson occurs where we can learn how to trust in the physical realm. It's about trust. And we learn to accept what is and we, learn how to live vitally and with abundance and ultimately when we truly discover the essence of our being and realize that we are divine beings and we realize that we are immortal and that we will never die and that knowing that is when I lost my fear of death so you can take that down Kathy that was just an example of how The blueprint revealed to me exactly how fears um, resulted, and most of life's issues come from duality. And how, when we discover who we are beautiful, perfect, divine essence, then that goes away. And we shift our consciousness in a variety of ways so that we can become, we can embrace and express. The truth of our being. So I am so excited to share the blueprint with everybody. It's become my passion and my purpose, and I share it in uh, writings, the blog, and uh, Kathy's helping me to redo a couple of books and do a couple more. So we have one coming out, uh, The Dance of Ego and Essence, Confessions of a Divine Diva, notice I wasn't even allowed to dance in my youth, but uh, (laughs) I love to. And um, then, of course, there are many other tools that have come to me that I believe can help us in our intentions to be more authentic and more conscious and compassionate. And we can show up every day as the hands and the heart and the voice of God and know that all is well. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And um, uh, uh, I'll put everyone's uh, uh, website into the chat. And I want to make sure everyone knows um, that they can put questions in the chat. We will have a nice uh, amount of time to either have the panel talk among themselves or to field questions from the audience. So we'd love to have you put your questions in the chat so we can make sure we don't miss you. So Neil, Neil, you are up next. And again, the question is, what was your journey to connect you to your spirituality? And how did you develop trust in that connection?
1: Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Hello, everybody. My name is Neil. And i um, so to just kind of start where Kathy was kind of talking about in my bio that I was born in England. I moved to California when I was 12 years old. I was born into a Hindu family. So there's a lots of rites and rituals involved in everything I did. When I was younger, I remember in England, I would sing bhajans, which had like the Indian hymns. But just the other day, actually, like, um, like a couple of weeks ago, my wife asked me like, you know, you did so many things within Hinduism. Did you ever think about like God? And I was like thinking about it and I really never even thought of what I was doing, what I was doing it for, and what the end result was. Like, I was literally just doing it. It was community, like, and it was just expected of me. And then everybody would be like, oh, how cute. And nothing was had to do with actually God, right? So I did rites and rituals from all my life, moved here when I was 12, continued doing it, went through um, college. I, it's not like I didn't believe in anything or believe in Hinduism. I just really did what I was told. And what I've noticed is for a lot of first generation out of India, Indian kids, they pretty much do just what they're told. And the majority, I would say over 50%, if not more of the ones that I know, literally just are waiting until they grow up so that they don't have to do these rituals anymore. You know, So like, as I was doing these rituals, um, then I left and went to college when I was 18 years old. And in college, you know, I was introduced to a wide range of people and information and music expanded, took my level of awareness to another level. And as I was doing that, I started writing poetry. And right now, my wife and I, we are both um, spoken word artists and I'm a hip hop artist. And my wife and I um, actually met doing spoken word in 2008. But as I was writing poetry, I was writing things on like the universal questions, like who are we, where are we from? I would write short stories on different ET beings on different planets. And then I started taking my craft a little more seriously come 2001 and decided to start researching some of the terms that I was just throwing out there, like instant travel between dimensions, like things like that. And as I started finding that, that's when I discovered Nassim Haramay, Jordan Maxwell, Jim Self and William Henry. All people that I, I got a chance to work with later in life, and I, it, I was introduced to ancient scriptures that basically take a step back. The ancient scriptures that I first got. Um, introduced to were the Sumerian scriptures, the seven tablets of creation. And I actually went through them, I read the translations, and I realized that many of the stories within these scriptures are the same stories throughout religions all over the world. So my question now was, why do we focus so much on what separates us and divides us when written in plain sight are all these similarities, right? And a good, great example is how Krishna, um, many of his personality traits and life traits are exactly the same as Jesus. Why aren't we talking about it? Why 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 are we only talking about how that's a pagan religion and we're monotheistic rather than really delving into why these things are similar? So that started my search for what really inspired Portal to Ascension in the first place, which was to find out the root of all religion. I wanted to find out where we all came from. um, And I'm really um, immersed in that right now, looking at the migration routes of humanity and what happened and how I wanted to find out how I became me, how Neil became a North from Punjab, a North Indian guy that was born in England, living in California. How did that occur? And through that exploration, firstly, I found the Sumerian scriptures in which they were talking about vibration frequency. There was um, hieroglyphs that were like a snake, a, a giant with a snake twisted like a DNA spiral, with a DNA strand outside of it, with a baby human. And then the description of this is that. It was talking about um, genetic manipulation and the snake in ancient scriptures were advanced sciences of those times and it was some quantum physics so that introduced me to the whole concept of vibration sound of vibration so by 2002 i was really researching uh, what did these ancients know about sound of vibration this is what brought me back to my religion that i was raised in even though now i never really became like i didn't go back to hinduism I like to call myself like a non-dogmatic spiritualist. So I I went back to Hinduism and I started looking at it and saying, oh my God, Everything that they're talking about here is vibration and frequency, yoga, how to align and shift your frequency, food, Ayurveda, meditation, it's all frequency, and it's an acoustic version of quantum physics that we're only now realizing through external technology, but these ancient people knew about this intuitively and had the ability within their own bodies to actually do things that we're using external technology for. So as I started getting into all of that, it went, I went down the rabbit hole for around eight years from 2001 to 2008, you know, I graduated um, college, I was writing more and more poetry, but as I was going down the rabbit hole, I was going down a very fear-based route because as I was understanding, everything, I was also realizing, you know, the bloodlines, the elite, um, what they did to us. And I was very like... I was a good, I was a happy kid. I was hanging out with my friends. I'd be going to concerts, but at the same time, I was really deep into the conspiracies and um, thought that they were out to get us, right? Like, and I'll give you a little example. Uh, when the first swine flu came out, the bird flu came out. I bought a gas mask kit. You know, <laughs> like I was like, I I was like, I heard this on Alex Jones two months ago. <laughs> you know, so I was really in in fear, and um, but at the same time, I was going into all of this information on spirituality. So it really didn't uh, connect like how I was so in fear, but at the same time, learning about everything that is about how we're all one, how we come from the cosmos and, you know, we come, we come from everywhere and reincarnation and all these things really empowering concepts, but I wasn't fully empowered. So in 2008, I went to an open mic and I just started doing open mics and slam poetry. And, um, In one of the open mics, I met like, I don't know, like 20 people that became my best friends. They're artists, comedians, musicians, you know, like solo guitarists. And we just became this group of people. And I was really the only one that was so hardcore into this information where I would be sharing everything I would be learning with these people. And as I was doing poetry, I had a realization when I was doing um, a live event once that there was one missing link in everything that I was doing that I was so focused on the information, but the missing link was love, right, like that I realizing that I understand that the cycles of times exist that we go through these cycles that these beings come and they incarnate here to give us this experience of duality, but I wasn't really um, I wasn't really focusing on that I was focusing on the separation aspect of it all. So in 2008 when I realized that it was all love my group that I had started in 2006 online on Facebook, that was called 2012 Consciousness, Mind Evolution, and Presence. I had a dream in 2008 to change the name to Portal to Ascension. I had already changed it like four times. And then in 2008, it was like the last one. I was driving down um, the beach in California. And then I came, sent a message to Facebook to, if they could change my fan page, they were, they approved it. And then Portal to Ascension was born. And for the first year to two years, Um, It was small meditation events. Um, I met William Henry. I did Ancient Aliens, an all-day Ancient Aliens conference, and then uh, I met an individual called Dr. Dream. His name's Mark Peebler. and the first, um, the first forty really like portal to central productions was a tour with Dr. Dream from San Diego to Victoria. To Vancouver to Victoria Island where we when we left for the six week tour we only had two events booked and we had no places to stay and it was a complete synchronistic tour where we were doing something called the um unconditional unconditional love galactivation tour where we had right frequency machines we'd hook people up to it in a circle and then we would put like self-forgiveness frequency love vibration a different frequency per hour and we would play like sound tools for three hours and that was when I really got an opportunity to learn how to play sound tools and to start really practicing the production of all these events. So we started over um, down here in California, had two events booked, we went on the road and we just started booking them as we went and we would go to events. People would be like, well, do you want to stay in town for two more days and do it at our house? So it was really just us trusting, right? And this goes back to the whole concept of this This portion here is is about me trusting that this is my mission is what I'm supposed to do. And I remember having the call with Dr. Dream, and I was like, "I hate my job as an SEO, spe- like as a web designer here. I don't want to be here anymore." And he's all "Quit right now. Move into my house. Let's go on tour." And that's exactly what we did. Like two weeks later, we were on the road and doing all these events. I got to do a full day conference in Vancouver, so that was really the the beginning of you know my entire um, portal to ascension path. And as I was doing this. I realized more now late than before. You know, I've always created events in order to learn and to empower myself, but I really wasn't doing it consciously and completely aware of why I was doing it. So as soon as I became conscious of the fact that I was doing that, it became even more intentional, right? And over the last few years, that is what has occurred. So from 2009 to 2012, continued doing small events, but I actually quit Portal to Ascension around 10 times in four years. Like, I was like, I'm completely done with this. Because as as an Indian kid growing up in a conservative Indian family, seeing all of my friends and family around me doing like things that are hardcore careers, accountant, lawyer, doctors, blah, 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 all these expectations from my parents, my parents saying to me countless times, spirituality will never pay the bills, spirituality will never pay the bills. And, and me still, like every time I got a job anywhere, I would sabotage myself all the time to to get fired or to just like not show up to work. I could not, for the life of me, I've had like 40 jobs and I'm like, I'm 38. I couldn't for the life of me stay at any of these jobs. Even if there were great jobs that were paying me, I felt a calling back to portal dissension always. And every time I quit doing portal dissension, there would be some amazing synchronicity where I would get a call out of nowhere from like some like speaker or somebody else. and something would direct me back to doing Portal to Ascension. So about six, seven years ago now, that was the last time I quit. And at that point, when I started doing Portal to Ascension again, I realized that, hey, why don't I just do all the events that I'm doing live, but just completely stop the live events for two years and just do everything online and see what happens, right? So, So that's what we did. And our first online summit was called the Starseed online summit with Dolores Cannon as the headliner. And it did so well. That we just started doing one every single month after that, and within a couple of years, it became one every single week, and now it's it's um, multi-day summits, conferences, retreats to ancient sites, tours, um, and we're doing about 110 online events a year, and um, then we have another 20 or so so live events. So as I was as I was like really just delving into doing this awareness more and more in, in around six seven years ago. Hold on one second here, stop that video. So as, let me take a step back. So around six years ago, when I started doing the online events, I decided to go and not quit anymore. I made a commitment to myself. I decided that. I'm never gonna quit again. And no matter what happens or what comes up in my life, even if I need to transition into something else to support myself, that I'm I'm not gonna stop doing this inf- awareness because it's truly my passion and everything is always driving me towards it. I feel that part of my mission here, well, in the early stages of really developing what I've created, my purpose here was to create a platform for individuals, for speakers, for presenters, okay. for for researchers, in order for them to be able to come and do the work that they want to do without having to focus on all the linear information, all the linear stuff, right? Such as um, creating their own events, doing their um, own bookings and things like that. So in the early stages, it started as a resource for that. But now it's really become a full on platform for um, 100% event production for any level where there's some speakers like James Redfield, for example, that I produce everything for. And then there's some speakers that I just have like one or two events a year, and then others that are online. But as I've been doing these events, the amount of information that I've acquired has been quite substantial, especially in regards to ancient civilizations. Because I do sit through almost all of my events, and we're creating 10,000 plus hours of content like almost every year, two years. And at this point, there's 3,000 hours of free presentations on our website when anybody signs up it's like sorted by category and all that, but there's around around 11,000 hours of presentations altogether. And the information that I'm really into now is really looking into the origins of humanity. But as I was doing that, I started going into ancient civilizations and further and further back to see, you know, where did we all come from and what is the commonality between us? The portal to ascension really represents the, the middle ground, the Uh, the equanimity about how we can unify everybody under this awareness because especially in regards to the ufo and the extraterrestrial question which i delve deep into the community is so incredibly split and everything in the world has almost become politicized to the fact that the division is just running rampant and like i'll give you an example like yesterday i had somebody um like yell at me because they thought I was on one side. And then at the end of the day, I had somebody else yell at me because they thought on the other side of what that person yelled at me for. <laughs> so I was like, I'm, I'm like, there, there is no making anybody happy here. I, so what I really want to do and I have, I feel we've cultivated is a platform where people that have opposing ideas can even come onto and have conversations rather than just throwing the blame and saying that person's incorrect. We've been able to bring a lot of people together at this point, I've done well over 3,000 event productions, um, conferences, and um, mostly online events and webinars, but a good like 500 to 600 live events. And we did over for this. Um, one of my friends, he channels um, being from Sirius called the Dronus. We did 150 channeling events in three years in, at different cities all over the US and, and Canada, in which we would start with sound and vibration to you know start the event and then it would go into that. So that's kind of my synopsis on portal to ascension, but I do wanna share something else as well in regards to my spirituality and what I realized in, in relation to trusting. When I didn't have the awareness of the love aspect of it all, I felt much more separate. When I felt that I was having something happen to me, I felt that, you know, that these people have power and money and I'm nothing. And then as soon as I realized that you know, the cycles of that individuals and beings actually incarnate to give us these experiences of duality. And for as cliche as it sounds, everything happens for a reason, but not in the aspect that everything happens for a reason and therefore I won't do anything about it. But being at that neutral stage, knowing that everything happens the way it's supposed to happen and still taking informed action to change things for the positive, that was my shift in my reality that led me to trust because when I realized it wasn't happening to me, but it's happening for me, so that i can get the experience and the contrast that i wanted uh, in order to remember and as pamela had uh, mentioned that we're in this planet of amnesia and like we don't have complete remembrance of our past lives and extraterrestrial lives and most some people do but it's even scientifically proven now that other lives exist but we so we know that this exists and we also know that we don't remember it there that's a profound right there so the fact is that if that's the case what we've set up for ourselves is the ability to see what we do not want to create so that we can create something that we want. And that's what we're here on this planet for. Uh, Right now, I'm deeply immersed in understanding the cycles of time. And if you just look at it and you look at the cycles of time and you go to the Vedic scriptures and you look at the dates that each age shifted and you, you line up all the things that happened on the planet at those times, it's just mind blowing. It's it's like a template for our consciousness, and we have the education, the information, the ancient scriptures, the intellect, the technology to live such a abundant and and beautiful life on this planet. But why isn't that not happening? Reason why is that we exist in these old paradigm structures that were designed to build this age of materialism that we've now completely like we're completely, it depends who you ask really, but in my opinion, we left it 200 years ago and we're just going through the growing pains right now of how to create this new reality. And what we've discovered is we've pierced through the veil. We've understand the subatomic world now. We realize that the world as we know it isn't the world as we know it. That's another thing that we've realized. So as we're getting more and more confused collectively in the science realm, we're realizing we're seeing through something and that's why we're all trying to figure it out at this point, right? What is this? What are we understanding here? What are we seeing through? The subatomic world, it vibrates in and out of reality. The frequencies vibrate in and out of reality. It's like a holographic projection of consciousness, some organic, beautiful experience that we're going through right now. the information's there, but when we get the masses educated on it, you know, we're so, beautiful our bodies are so amazing not only can they be extremely manipulated but they can be completely in control and empowered right depending on the frequency that you're within so if we can educate ourselves with the right information that can create more empowerment the what we can create in our world in the years to come is extremely unimaginable and as myself that delves deep into looking at unacknowledged black budget projects and all that stuff even i know some things that are out there but I believe that there's so much more out there that I can't even fathom at this point. And we're only in the beginning stages of it. So that's really why I do what I'm doing here. And I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to share.
0: Oh my gosh, that was fantastic. So I know Dr. Dream really well. I bought two of his bowls. And it's <laughs> a uh, so small world. And uh, I just want to share with everyone, um, Neil was the uh, genius behind an, uh IONS conference that we did uh, last year. And um, he just is a, a amazing um, young man, easy to work with, uh, very, very um, thorough. And and I can't say enough for what you're doing. And I've been watching you since way before that, watching what you've done and grown. And it's just, it's amazing. I, I'm so excited to see where you're gonna go next. and. Thank you, and, Kathy. And I'm and I'm into all of it.
1: <laughs>
0: so okay, great. Okay, so um, thank you, Neil. And um, again, um, if people have questions, please put them in the chat. We will have time after Victoria speaks to be able to share and uh, work, di- talk directly one-on-one with these incredible panelists and get some answers for for your questions or or just stimulate your brain cells here. (laughs) So thank you, thank you. Okay, so Victoria, so do you want me to repeat the question for you again? That would be lovely. Okay, okay. What, What was your journey to connect to your spirituality and how did you develop trust in that connection?
3: Okay, thank you so much, Kathy, for that question. I very much like Pamela grew up in a, an extremely fundamentalist religious environment. Only in my case, it was a bit even more extreme, and that I grew up in a uh, what I now recognize as a cult. It was a closed commune and also included polygamy. So, as a female in this environment, I had. Um, no control over my human experience at all. It was an, it was completely dictated by the men in the community, and so I grew up with this belief that I had no value, uh, that the only value of my life were the number of babies I could, it's like my my worth was in my womb, and that I. Didn't know women could go to school. I didn't know women could have jobs, and that even to the the degree that women aren't allowed into heaven unless a man lets them in. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with with virtually no sense of self worth, and. Uh, and, in, and in, again, as Pamela, an incredibly fear-based environment. There was nothing I could do to make my dad happy or the big daddy in the sky who was an incredibly judgmental um, masculine figure. And I, uh, so for me, this God was mean. He was mean and judgmental and and there's nothing I could do to please him because we didn't believe in forgiveness or any of that it's like you got one shot at life and if you screw it up you pay for it for the rest of eternity so i lived with this constant fear every day of my life of not being good enough to to please anyone and, and then also in this environment I, I endured a lot of sexual assault on top of the the emotional and spiritual assault that came with it and uh But what was really interesting about that when I was a little girl, I had spiritual insights. Somehow I knew things different than what I was being told. And when I would question it, I would get yelled at for questioning it because we were only allowed to believe what the men in charge were telling us to believe. And so I just learned how to keep my my inner voice to myself. And I learned how to be afraid of my inner voice. Although there were a few times that my inner voice came to my rescue and um, a couple of times that I, that I had, well, I almost tried, I tried to kill myself at one point and my higher self intervened with that. And a couple of circumstances where I was almost molested and my higher self told me how to get out of the situation. And so that voice was always there, but I, I didn't know how to trust it because I was told that it was the voice of the devil trying to tempt me away from this religion that I was raised up in. And so I, at one point as a teenager, I ran away from home. My choice was either to commit suicide or, or find a way out. So I ran away from home and I found a family that took me in and rescued me. And uh, I was still suicidal for about another five years. And then I got introduced to, at the time, it was called the Church of Religious Science, which now has relabeled themselves as the Centers for Spiritual Living. And that is where I got introduced to spirituality. So up until that point, I believed that I had no role in the creation of my life. I believed that I was living my life under the whim and fancy of this very mean, masculine figure in the sky, and that he had chosen for me to have a really painful and horrible life that I really just wanted out of. But in this center for spiritual living, I discovered—I remember that this—this this was such a mind-blowing experience for me. I attended this Sunday service, and the minister was a female, which I had like that just blew my mind to begin with (laughs) because women weren't allowed to to teach the way i grew up and she was talking about prosperity and how god wants us to prosper and i was just mind blown by this and then oh and then she also said that we are the creators of our reality that we choose our reality and how we move through life and i was just just mind blown. This was in, what's interesting is I realized a couple of years ago, this was in August of 1987. And what I didn't know at the time until a couple of years ago was that that was during the Harmonic Convergence, that I got guided into the spiritual center during the Harmonic Convergence. And that experience completely shifted my life. That's where I discovered self-help books. And I think the first book I read was Codependent No More, and the road less traveled. I remember reading those two books kind of in tandem. And I went on a path of self discovery. So at the time, I, I knew, I knew there was something really, really wrong with me. I was so depressed and wanted out of life so bad that I was afraid if I told anybody that they would put me in a, in a, insane asylum, I guess, as they called them back in the 80s. I would get stuck in a mental hospital and then I would just never be seen or heard from again. So I never told anybody what was going on inside of me. Um, so, uh, and therapy wasn't an option because in the 1980s, therapy wasn't considered real medicine. So the only way you could get therapy is if you had the money to pay for it. So I started what I called self-therapy and I read every self-help book I could get my hands on. I read them voraciously and, you know, and I found them at that spiritual center. And then after I left, uh, that was in Salt Lake City. And after I left Salt Lake City and I moved to California, I found Unity, which is almost identical to Centers for Spiritual Living. And I, and I got soaked up into spirituality. At that time, I didn't make a connection between self-help and spirituality because I thought spirituality and religion were the same thing. So I would go to the spiritual centers and I would get self-help books but never made the correlation between the two. Partly because as Pamela said, my family over here was telling me I was getting the new age and how that was evil and a cult. And, uh, it's, and, and, and I'm reading this, these self-help books and going back this, they're wrong. Like I could tell they were wrong because I was reading stuff that was changing me from the inside out and, and was saving my life. And for the first time in my life, I knew I could do something about my life. I didn't have to just leave it up to some magic man in the sky to, to, to change my life for me, that I could do something about it. And so I, I knew that all those people who were saying that the, this, the self-help books and, and natural therapies and crystals and all of that were evil, had no idea what they were talking about. Because it was making such an impact in my life, I didn't put spirituality into the connection until after 2008. So, in 1987, that's when I started down my self-improvement path. And what? And I had told myself back then that someday I want to write a book to help other people the way these people have helped me because they changed my life. This, you know, books by. Wayne Dyer and Louise Hay and and you know the the self-help writers of the 1980s and and I wanted to someday give back to humanity the way they had given to me and so um, but then I kind of forgot about that because I, I went about I started a a medical company and I, I had my clients and I had this very successful business and I then I had two kids and and, I, and this beautiful home by the beach and life is fantastic for the most part until the economic crash of 2008. So in 2008, um, my life basically fell apart and I, I started to lose everything. Uh, you know, the, the economic crash put me out of business. It put my husband out of business. And then my kids were both uh, diagnosed with learning disorders. And I hit that bottomless pit again of um, wanting out of my life. And the only thing that kept me here were my kids because I knew I couldn't abandon them. But then I started asking. I didn't I didn't know I was asking myself. I had no idea I was looking for spirituality. That was like the furthest thing from my mind. I just wanted to figure out how to fix my broken life. I wanted to know how to make some money because my house was in foreclosure. We're in the middle of filing for bankruptcy. I was over a million dollars in debt because of these two failed businesses. And I I wanted to know how to fix my life. And so um, one day I was out walking through my neighborhood asking myself, how do I fix my life? How do I fix my life? Where am I going to get money from? And I had a spiritual experience. And my inner voice said to me, begin with gratitude. And I discovered gratitude as a visceral experience. That is the prayer gratitude that I was taught, which was just lip service, never meant a thing to me. The visceral experience of gratitude and that shifted my life. And and so I started having these um, now what I would call downloads was my inner voice speaking to me about how to heal my life. and I had notebooks everywhere. Now this was before smartphones. Okay, other people might have had smartphones. I didn't have a smartphone. <laughs> So I had notebooks everywhere. And I started writing down these messages that were coming through from, I don't know where they were coming from. They were just messages that I was hearing in my head. and I started writing them down. And and then after a while, I decided to take them out of my notebooks because I, I had one in my bathroom and one on my nightstand and one in my purse and one on the coffee, I, they were everywhere. So I decided to consolidate my notebooks. Um, and put them on my computer so that I could go back and reference them. And what was fascinating in that is that they, they started to, to merge themselves into a process. It was never my intention to turn these into a process for someone else. It was my own learning from my own um, remedying my life. And it ended up becoming the book, Transcending Fear. And this process that spirit gave me, which I now know my higher self gave me is what I call the transcendence process. And it was the process that I was given to heal my life and to move out of that fear-based reality and into this love-based reality that I now presently exist in. And so I've been teaching that a little bit over the years to individuals who come into my life and I've been teaching it, but I, I never really got into it too much until fairly recently and because of my priority was raising my children. And uh, and I I thought I needed to protect them from their alcoholic father. So what I discovered is I ended up after reading Codependent No More, and I slowly eventually entered back into another codependent relationship because I hadn't done, I didn't recognize that there was a level of that that I hadn't processed yet. So my last year has been all about uh, going to the deepest levels of my codependent relationships. And um, I had to let go of my husband and I had to to let go of the relationship with my kids. 2020 was a very, very difficult year for me and also incredibly necessary for this next level of up-leveling that Spirit has asked me to go into. And so backtrack a little bit about where So what happened in 2008, I started having these downloads from my higher self, but I didn't make that correlation until one day I was laying in the bathtub and I heard a voice in my head, not like hearing other voices, it was my own voice, but very, very clearly said to me, I am you in the fourth dimension and our worlds are about to collide. And I had never heard of dimensions. I had no idea of higher selves. I knew none of this. And this took my understanding to a whole nother level. And I, I, I still didn't grasp what that meant. And, and I didn't know anything about higher self. And in, the, and in the meantime, I had started channeling this energy, this entity in the same way that Esther Hicks channels Abraham. I started channeling this entity who was giving me information. And I would get up in my notebooks again and write down these messages that came in for me every morning. And I remember telling my husband and my husband said, oh, no, you can't tell anybody you do that. Nobody, nobody needs to know that you do that. That's weird and that's freaky and you can't tell anyone. So I held that inside until very recently. And I talk about it now openly, but I, I kept that to myself for 10 years. And, um, and, and then I started channeling Ascended Masters. And Yeshua comes in and teaches me things. And, and uh, you know, Metatron comes in and teaches me things. And so I, I have these Ascended Masters who I work with, who I have a very personal experience with. And they, they tell me what's going on in the world. And they tell me what's going to happen in the future. So what's happening right now, I knew about five, six, seven years ago. But I never told anyone because I was afraid of what people would think if I told them about this spiritual gift, because I was so afraid of it as a child. And I have finally have started to really trust that it's okay to tell people that this is who I am. And that these are the messages that Spirit's giving me. And so there's that. That's where I am today with regard to my spiritual teaching and in the, in the process, I've written three other books and Kathy's helping me write another book and helping me with another process that spirit's given me. And, and so one other thing I want to share about the oneness. Back in 2010, I was standing in my kitchen one day and I had been coughing for about three weeks. So I knew what the coughing was all about. I knew that I was purging old fear-based beliefs out of my physical makeup. That, that letting go of more than 40 years of fear-based and false beliefs, I was purging. And usually the, the purging experience isn't always easy. Um, for some people, it's incredibly uncomfortable for me. It was uncomfortable in the form of what looked like a flu, which I now laugh, but it's called, it's called the ascension flu, but there was no name for it back then. And so I, I had been coughing for about three weeks and I was standing in my kitchen sink and I had my hands in the water and I felt this flood, a flood of love that, is, that was so pure and so profound and so blissful I can't even explain in words what this love feels like because it is, and and I had to ask. I was like, I, I asked, what is this? And the response was, we wanted you to know what love really is. And that love isn't an emotion. Love is energy. It is the energy that everything in the universe is made from. It is who and what every single one of us are. And there is no separation between us and God. There is no separation between any of us. We are all made of this stuff. We are all love having a human experience. And then I I, I looked outside and I could see how love is what the trees are made of and love is what the houses are made of and love is what the grass is made of and, and love is what everything is made of and that, that God is love, period. And we took this concept of God and turned it into a, mat, a, a judgmental man in the sky and that is just created by fear in a way to keep us divided. And almost everything we believe is created by fear to keep us divided. And it's not true. Because it's love. And when we all understand that we are love as human beings, love having a human experience, then all this other stuff becomes kind of nonsense. the, the, The division isn't even real. We're just being told that it is. To keep us from finding the true power of who we actually are. We're all God incarnate. Oh my gosh, if we're all God incarnate, we can do anything. We're just in this fear-based false reality that tells us that's not true. And when we can learn how to recognize how all of those beliefs have played out in our life and we learn to transcend them, then everything becomes possible. And so for me, that's, that comes back to this idea of trust, trusting my own path, trusting that, that I'm taken care of. That was a big step for me. Leaving my husband last summer was, you know, I spirit kept saying, he is not your source and supply. You need to be able to let him go and trust, trust I'm taken care of trust that the universe has my back, trust that spirit and my guides, my guardians have it all set up for me. Trust that my higher self is guiding my path, trust my own path and not, not be concerned about what anyone else's path is. And that was a huge part for me last year as well because I had to change the relationship with my children. And I had to let my children go and they now live with their dad most of the time. And that was really, really painful, and at the same time, I, what Spirit was telling me is that I have to trust that they have their paths, and I can't control what Spirit has in store for them. The only path I have any control over is my own, and how I respond to the circumstances that come into my life and how I use those circumstances to make me a better person. And that by becoming a better person, that's how I'm making a difference in the world. And so all of this, this entire life experience, all of it has led me to to be the the teacher that I know I'm here to be. And and, and I was given instructions very clearly by, by Yeshua, Jesus, a couple of years ago to teach the way he taught. With no strings attached, with no expectations, no no teaching to sell my stuff, none of that. I teach what spirit teaches me to teach. And I, I, I teach freely and I give freely and I trust that I'm taken care of financially because I am. And... And I don't give it all away for free because I'd probably lose my house if I did, but <laughs> but, but I teach simply to inspire that greatness that's within inside every single one of us. And, and, I, I, and I wish, I wish so much that every human being could experience what I experienced that morning in my kitchen. Because I know that level of bliss is available to everyone who's willing to do the work to get there. And so that's my my message for this morning. Thank you so much.
0: So as you can see, everyone on this panel has a remarkable gift to share to each one of us and a different perspective. Each one of them had different experiences and reconnected to who through a mystical experience, uh, whether it's by pathway of knowledge and then a knock in the head <laughs> kind of. Um, but but all of a sudden, the cosmic dance of love is real. And that's what I would love um, more of this expression, what we're talking about today on the panel. This is just one aspect of spirituality, when we're talking about spirituality and oneness. But we're going through these huge changes. And this reality that has been constructed is is constructed from our inner selves. And so each one of these people have remarkable tools, remarkable um, opportunities For us to get to the core of what um, we really wanted to experience as a soul here, as a spark of God, not the construct, it's actually that remembering and the breaking out of the shell is almost like a a, a little chicken trying to get out of the shell. That's what we're doing right now is a, a global consciousness. And chances are this isn't local. This could be throughout every universe. That's mm-hmm. my, my knowing because of my experience. But um, let's see let's see we've got, oh wonderful. Thank you Anne's thanking us. And um, and Bob said, what a tender and vulnerable demonstration of self-honoring and love. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you, thank you. And um, so what I wanted to do, if anyone has questions, Sara's here and Jacqueline's here, please. If you have questions, please share a question. Meanwhile, I'll ask one um, to get the ball rolling. Um, do, any, do you have a daily ritual or practice that you do that helps connect you. Uh, Pamela, do
2: you want to start? Sure. I'm a little um, iffy with my rituals. I've never really been into ritual, but I understand that it is important to put, bring ourselves to a place of awareness. And so I have a sacred space in my office i light a candle sometimes i just sit in the silence and then i journal and that usually helps me to you know focus and to remain within you know constant with with the spirit of what i'm trying to accomplish what i live what i express And so that helps me. But I will admit as and I have written a book about confessions, 40 days of confessions, which is (laughs) I've done a lot of confessing. And so I will confess that I am not good at it. And I have always struggled with sitting in the silence. I'm hyperactive and I have a very, you know, active mind and I Um, like to be in charge. And so I, I struggle with that, but I just sit and I don't think we have to sit for long. And I don't think we have to, you know, we don't have to belabor it because it's just an awareness. It is just an awareness. And so I think if we just tap in and just know that this is this is what it is and let it go instead of worrying about it
0: <laughs> perfect perfect okay so um neil do you want to unmute and um also talk about if you have a ritual or a practice you follow
1: yeah uh, actually i like to show it because it's uh, it's it's poetry but um what i do is i'll just say this first though it's uh chanting i i'm i'm not in i, I love all types of healing work But for some reason, I'm really concentrated and focusing on cultivating power within and being your own self guru. So chanting for me helps just like empty my mind, makes me so present. It's like really actually completely magical what chanting can do. Um, So I chant the vowels now, A-E-I-O-U, three times each because vowels were introduced later in language because of the sacredness and it connects you to your chakra system. So when you va- chant the vowels in any language, it opens up those energy centers. So I've been doing that right before this. I only got five hours of sleep last night. I okay. chanted I chanted um, all the vowels just to get ready for this. But then freestyle rapping, I love to freestyle rap. And if I can do a little poem really quick, I'll sure. show you kind of what I do.
0: And right. if you want, you, you could share your screen if you'd like to share the the poem.
1: I don't have the, um, okay. it on hand. I'm going to do it okay. just by the top of my okay, head. Cool. So I'd love to just, it just helps me express and get it out, working up my, my throat chakra because that's really, throat chakra focus is really a really huge thing for me this life. Astral travel, vibrating high out of the center of the galaxy, rematerialized etheric energy dropping in density, increasing in complexity. To the ends of the spiral, we shall go. Planets form all around. I see a water world in the system of soul. My soul speculates in this illusion, a spacesuit made of skin into a polarized reality of duality, oneness, and sin. Carbon base will join the crystalline children. I slowly descend through the ozone. We'll be born soon, so I enter a womb. Birth cycle almost ends. You see, I rode the unity wave into this dimension, a fabricated fallacy. I forgot when time became linear masculine based society suppressing her feminine energy creating stargates and other etheric tools going through the wormhole spinning around like a whirlpool here to overrule the external in this earth school from my eyes i finally lifted the wool i reincarnated to this planet november 17th 1982
0: wow thank you
1: thank you wow
0: cool 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 and, and the power of that, you could feel the energy swirling while you're talking. Oh, fantastic.
3: Thank you, thank you.
1: Thank you.
0: So Victoria, do you want to answer the question now?
3: Sure. So I started doing this you know, years ago when my kids were little and my husband was here, and it still is my daily practice. I go out to the living room, which is where I've been writing for years. <laughs> and the first thing I do is light I light a candle and I have my Palo Santo stick and I just kind of wave it and say energy is cleared. And, and then I fill my diffuser with water and I put my essential oils in there. So I have this is kind of it's kind of creating this space that's my space. And then I sit and I I tune into spirit. It's kind of a combination between prayer and meditation where I just get really, really quiet and I connect with mother, father, creator. And and I, and I do my visualizations of of clearing any energies out of my house and out of my body that are not aligned with my now, highest and greatest good, because I'm every day moving up the spiritual spiral. So what might have been in my highest and greatest good yesterday isn't necessarily in my highest and greatest good today. And then I, and I call back any energies I may have left out there and and do, I do an an energy transmutation so that everything in my field is transmuted into the highest vibrations of love. And and then I send it out in airwaves across the planet. This is part of my daily practice. I send it in waves of love and light and gratitude out across the planet so that this energy then transmutes the entire planet. And, and then I call in my guides and guardians and my higher self and I ask if there's any messages that spirit has for me that day. And I pull out my notebooks and I write. If spirit has a message for me in the morning, I write down what that message is. So that that is what I do each morning. And, and then I put a bubble of protection around myself and I put protection around everything in my domain of care so that only love and light and truth may enter my field and that I am protected from anything that is not that. And uh, I set very clear intentions whenever I, you know, at the beginning of every day, what my intentions are for the day. So I spend about a half hour in this sacred space of just being with spirit. Perfect. And that's how I start every morning. And then mornings that I don't do it, I can tell a difference. Yeah. Yeah, I do things like sprain ankles and break toes. Well, I have to say that during
0: the very beginning of COVID, Victoria and I spoke almost every day. We've met in person in LA, and I recognized her as an angel. She is an embodied angel. And um, that was it, you weren't quite sure what that was yet (laughs) when I saw you.
3: But I have no uh, idea, I took my
0: while to figure that out. Remarkable, remarkable guide. And if you want to get a higher perspective, which means a more loving perspective of any um, situation, she is my go-to person. She's quite remarkable. So so I wanna share, um, there is, Anne, let me, uh, I'm gonna ask to unmute you and see if you wanna come on because you have a question and then after ann's question i want everyone to give i've been putting your websites in the chat but i'd love for you for the recording to share how best to get you get in touch and will you show yourself i want to see your pretty okay. face yay there you are yeah. hi <laughs> hi well i want to say that i've appreciated everyone sharing it's been it's been it's been
2: wonderful and what i wonder being in somewhat of the same position Having gone through a lot of different spiritual experiences,
0: one of the things that I wrestle with really is busyness, and um, maybe scheduling too many things, and then you know moving back from that and experiencing overwhelm. And I wonder—I mean, maybe this is a dark side of being called on to a mission—and I just wonder if you have experienced. Um, too much busyness, I mean, it's something we don't talk about, you know, it's kind of in the shadows. Have you experienced too much business busyness and how have you been able to scale back so that um, you have more than just a few brief moments of personal time?
2: I'd love to respond, Ben, and I always love to help others. And so I got caught up in being a volunteer for so many organizations at one point, that I burned myself out. And I was spending so much time helping a half a dozen other organizations that I was not honoring my own work and my own purpose. And the universe said enough. And I was flatlined for about six months and um, with a viral thyroiditis. So I learned the hard way how to say no so that I could say yes to what was most important for me. And I've learned also to distinguish between nice to do and need to do's. And um, so in, because I used to think I had to do everything and I got comfortable allowing little slips, you know, I used to have to be perfect, everything, every product, every piece of uh, material that I put together had to be perfect. And I got to the point where if I finished something and there was a little, you know, something that could be better. I was able to let it go. But I think just allowing that to happen and, and focusing helped me tremendously.
0: Perfect.
1: Perfect. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Anyone else want to jump I'll, in? Here? I'll chime in here. Okay. So I used to think that I had not enough time for everything. And, and then I, sh- I had a shift in my belief system where I started affirming to myself, there's more than enough time for everything. And if I look at it and really break down the day and all the things that I'm doing and the times that I'm just relaxing and doing other things, it can really quantify that I do have that that time. But, but changing that realization, it was I think like nine to 10 years ago now that I decided to say I have more than enough time for what I want to do, but then also know how to be um, create healthy boundaries to say no and to check into why I'm saying yes to something when I'm busy, you know? Why am I doing it because of my need to do, like just to be a part of it? Do I like, you know, I've just really just do tune in with my intentions behind uh, why I'm saying for yes in the first place. Now in regards, cause I heard you and say earlier that you do a lot of events and conferences. Now I'm doing, I'm seeing events, 10 hour events, five day summits, 10 hours a day where I'm on it the whole time. And I'm also designing the website and doing many other things at the same time. So I've also shifted, you know, what I do during those times where I'll take breaks. Even if I'm doing a 10-hour event, I'll take breaks because I realize taking the breaks and taking a walk actually makes it more productive and able to utilize my time more. And when I'm in long events, I I drink green juices. That's like my breakfast. Um, I make sure I have my meals whenever... I'm supposed to, if I'm doing a live conference where I'm gonna be busy, I have a volunteer handle my food so I get it on time. So all of these the components have contributed to me to be able to be more efficient with my time.
0: Perfect, perfect. Well, thank okay. okay, but- um, really,
3: really, really quickly. Yeah. So when, when it comes to me, so I discovered that I was overextending myself from my own codependent nature of feeling like I needed to help everybody. And what Spirit shared with me is is this, to always ask, ask up, ask our inner voice, is this what's best for me? And is this self-honoring? We tend to forget the concept of self-honor. So whenever we get invited to do something, to participate in something, always check in and ask, is this what's best for me? And is this self-honoring? But I just wanted to share that really quick with everyone it's it's a really easy quick tune in I love that okay
0: so so um, Bob's telling us that we're out of time so so um, we'd love to be able to um, let each one of you say uh, best way to connect with you so that the audience as they see this in the replay and on other on other sites how they can uh, work with you thank you Ian too okay Pamela do you want to go
2: Yes, my website, uh, PamelaGirali.com. And also you can get a free book on DrPamelaGirale.com and that'll get you back to my, my website. Kathy's helping me with that too at the moment.
0: Okay, and Neil?
1: Uh, the best thing to do would be to just Google Portal extension, add everything <laughs> you find, but um, the two best places would be uh, YouTube. We go live every day. We have a few hundred people live. We're doing all extraterrestrial stuff for two months, just because of the UFO stuff, nonstop positive awareness for interdimensionals and experiencers. And I have a disclosure agenda show where we're bringing on people to discuss what's happening and take it to the experiencer and the consciousness behind it. So YouTube is great. Uh, But if you want to sign up to our website and get the Netflix for consciousness for completely free for 3000 hours plus presentations, a new website is being launched next week. And it's like on another level that I'm just I just need to get it up there. I'm like a year past due on my deadline on this. So like, oh, <laughs> as I soon as it think. gets up, I as soon as it gets up, it's gonna be incredible. But go there now, sign up. Uh, we're in, doing some amazing things. So YouTube and our website, oh. and you can also see presentations from me on the Mayan civilization, galactic history, origin stories, and things like that.
0: Yep, watch out, guy, TV. <laughs> okay, Victoria.
3: Okay, the best way to reach me is at victoriareynolds.com, and I do have a free book over there, so anybody that wants the free book, it also um, automatically sets you up with my inspirational newsletter that I send out, we say every week or so, because sometimes it's twice a week and sometimes it's every couple of weeks, but it's (laughs) the entire focus of my newsletter is just to keep people inspired and uplifted and in this higher vibration of love, And then on my website, you'll see the connection to my YouTube channel. And on my YouTube channel, I have all kinds of inspirational stuff over there as well for anyone that needs a little boost.
0: Yes. And uh, seriously, these are the perfect times for all of us to do the inner work, which will create uh, the world, the peaceful world of oneness and love that we're all, we all stood in line to get these bodies to be here right now to be on this trajectory. So thank you all so much. Thank you, panel. Thank you, guests. Thank you, replay watchers. Thank you. Please share and um, please, please watch these people. They're they're gonna really have more and more and more to share with you during these changing times. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Bye everyone.
0: Hi